Good morning, Grace. My name is Jeremiah Ebling, a family life pastor here. And when my wife Dana and I were married 16 years ago, I asked her to make me two promises. First, I said, honey, would you promise to love me until death do us part? Makes sense. Second promise I need you to make is that you will never let me do youth ministry again. (laughs) Honest to goodness. I'd already told God, you know, the three years that I've had at Grace doing youth ministry, it's been great. I've enjoyed the experience. Thank you very much. But, but I'm done. No more. And I, I didn't get a response from God that day, but I do think he smiled. I, I think he probably smiled. Because Dana and I, we got married, and, and then we moved out to Southern California where I finished up seminary. And, and then after I graduated, uh, Grace Covenant had lost two youth pastors in three years. It was a pretty tough go. And so uh, they asked if I could come back and, and just do 12 months. You know, could you kind of stabilize things and, and give us 12 months while we look for the next youth pastor, the next full-time youth pastor? And, and I thought, you know, maybe I could do 12 months. So Dana and I, we, we took a couple of weeks and uh, we prayed about it, we talked about it, and, and the Spirit's answer was a clear yes. And uh, we, were, we were pretty sure that's exactly what God was directing us to do. And, and so I figured, you know, hey, I'm still keeping my commitment to not do youth ministry again because I'm just, you know, the interim youth pastor, not the youth pastor. Totally different. No problem. So I called back to say, hey, we're going to pack up our stuff. We're going to load up the car and we're driving back to Austin. And then I found out that there was no interim role to come back to because they had already launched the search for the full-time youth pastor. Uh, the short of it is the two people at Grace that I was talking to just kind of had a miscommunication. Uh, the cause? A vacation. One of them had taken a vacation and kind of got their wires crossed. And so they said, you're welcome to apply for the full-time position. And Dane and I immediately sensed that the Spirit's yes wasn't just for that 12 months it was for, for the full-time position. And so that's what I did. I applied for the full-time youth, youth pastor position here at Grace. And that is how the Spirit of God tricked me into getting back into student ministry. <laughs> I mean, isn't that brilliant? I, I really, I stood in awe at how he worked that out the way that he did. And the result, I had the time of my life. I mean, I loved the seven years of youth ministry that I got to do after that. It was awesome. And I learned two very important lessons from that experience. Um, The first lesson is this. When we say to God, I will never do this ministry, we have just found the on-ramp to the new ministry we're about to be a part of. You know, I mean, I think we are daring Jesus when we say that. We really are. And I think he probably smiles when we say those things to him. The second thing that I learned through this experience is that the Spirit of God often leads us to unplanned, unexpected ministry. The Spirit of God often leads us to unplanned, unexpected ministry. And one of the great adventures of the Christian life is that the Spirit will regularly take us to people and places that we never saw coming, to do ministry that we never thought we would do. Right? This, is, this is how he works. And, and it's no mistake, it's no accident. Because what happens is he gives us the heart, the, the passion, the desire to do the very ministry that we never thought we would. You see, God has been planning since before we were conceived the ways in which he would would use us, the ways in which he would involve us and and invite us into making his name great, into telling others about him, caring for people, making 
and eternal impact on another soul. He's been planning for this. And I think that there is nothing more exhilarating or even surprising in life than to discover what those places of ministry are that God has planned out for us. And this morning, we're going to study a passage in Acts where we see the Spirit of God do this very thing with a man named Philip. We'll see how the Spirit will lead Philip to unplanned and unexpected ministry. And then we'll see something else that the Spirit does when Philip gets there. But before we turn to our passage, let me just introduce you or remind you a little bit about our friend Philip. Philip was one of the seven men in Acts chapter 6 who was chosen by the apostles to help the impoverished widows that were in the very early brand new Jerusalem church who were not getting enough to eat. These, these widows were Greek-speaking Jews, and they kept getting bumped to the back of the line at the Jerusalem church food pantry. And, and so the apostles commissioned these seven men who were wise, who were obedient to the Spirit, and they said, we need you to make sure that these, that these women are being fed, make sure that they're being cared for. And so in Acts chapter 6, when we meet Philip, we already find him doing meaningful work. He's, he's committed to what the Lord has called him to do. And, and then everything changed. Everything changed for Philip and the Jerusalem church when, when his friend Stephen, one of the seven as well, one of those seven men, was killed because of his faith in Christ. And that's where we'll pick up our passage and see what happens after Stephen's murder. If you're following along in your Bible or on your phone, it's um, Acts chapter 8, verse 1 is where we're going to start. Acts chapter 8, verse 1. This is what Luke writes. He says, On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah there. You see, the, the good news about Jesus' death and resurrection, it, it had been locked inside the city walls of Jerusalem. It couldn't get out. And so Stephen's murder, it, it, it scattered the church. It scattered the gospel. And where does Philip end up? In Samaria. Now, it was no secret that the Jews despised Samaritans because they were muggles. They were half-breeds who had intermarried with the Assyrians. They were heretics because they had worshipped Assyrian gods. And then, and then later on, the Samaritans did everything they could to keep the Jews from rebuilding the, the temple after the Babylonian captivity. And so there was no shortage of, of mutual animosity between these two groups of people, the Jews and the Samaritans. But Philip is now ministering in this unlikely place among these Samaritans. Let's see what happens. Pick it up again in verse 5 of Acts 8. Luke writes, Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah there. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the signs he performed, they all paid close attention to what he said. For with shrieks, impure spirits came out of many, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was great joy in that city. So this, this man, Philip, who's committed to the Spirit, he's surrendered to the Spirit of God. He's committed to doing ministry wherever he ends up, wherever he's taken. He's sharing the good news about Jesus. And then, and then proof of, of the fact that this message is true and real is followed by these healings, these exorcisms that are taking place. And this Samaritan city is absolutely blowing up because of the gospel. And so in light of that, in light of, of Philip's effectiveness in this Samaritan city, what do you think God might do with him next? Where do you think the Spirit might take Philip next? I mean, there were other cities in Samaria, numerous actually. So, I mean, if it were me, I'd probably take him to the next Samaritan city. You know, call it the tour of Samaria. Keep this thing going, 
right? Sounds like a good plan, wise plan, a reasonable plan. That's probably what Philip expected too. God was going to keep him right there, just move him on to the next city. What does the Spirit do though? Something totally unplanned and unexpected. Let's see what that is in verse 26. Skip down to verse 26 of Acts chapter 8. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And so look at what God's doing here. What does he tell Philip to do? He says, Philip, I want you to leave this place where you're being effective. I want you to leave this place where, where people are coming to me because of your faithful witness. And I want you to travel down to the road that goes between Jerusalem and Gaza. And you need to know this is not just a few miles away. Okay, this road is 75 miles away on foot. God is moving Philip out. God is taking Philip out of there. He's taking him out of this place where ministry is thriving, and he's taking him to a place where there's nothing going on. I mean, this is like going from downtown Austin ministry to an abandoned field near Dime Box, Texas, right? Something remote out there where there's nothing happening. And how do we know this? Well, Luke adds in verse 26, he says, this is a desert place. Yes, desert, as in deserted as in there's a whole lot of nothing going on out there. I mean, even trees look at this place and say, I'm not going there. Thank you very much. You know, stay right here. But what does this man do who's surrendered to the Spirit? When God calls him, when he tells him, I want you to move, what does he do? He starts walking. He starts walking. And what does he do? Philip, he gets to that road a few days later, and then he hears the sound of hooves in the distance, and he sees a chariot approaching him. And in this chariot is an Ethiopian eunuch, uh, an important official in, in the queen's palace, the queen of Ethiopia. He's in charge of the treasury there. We find out he's basically the finance minister, the CFO of Ethiopia. And, and Philip meets this Ethiopian eunuch. And, and he's a eunuch because, well, that's the price tag of serving on the queen's cabinet. And then in verse 29, Luke writes, The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. And with every step of that 75-mile journey from, from where he was in Samaria to this desert road between Jerusalem and Gaza, this is what Philip is discovering. That the, the Spirit often leads us to unplanned, unexpected ministry. That this is how he works. This is how he likes to work. The Spirit of God takes us to people and places that we never saw coming to do ministry that we never thought we would. This is what we see with the Spirit. And the Spirit will do this with us too. He will absolutely startle us with the places of ministry, the desert roads that he will take us to. And so you, you sign your son or daughter up for youth sports, you know, soccer or, or flag football or volleyball or something like that. And, and next thing you know, you're being asked to coach. Why? Because you played one season 22 years ago. So you've got a little experience. And what you find out pretty quickly is that coaching youth sports is kind of like joining the mafia. I mean, there is only one way out. There really is. They will make sure you coach for the next 12 seasons. There's no getting out. But you're new to coaching, and you're kind of figuring that out, so you're watching YouTube clips late into the evening and trying to figure out a few drills and, you know, run a practice. And you realize, you know, I don't know a whole lot about coaching, but I know something about ministry. And you're starting to see that, that the Spirit has something for you in this desert place where you feel so out of place. 
And that in this unplanned and, and unexpected desert place, you see that, that the Spirit has dropped you right into the lives of several young people and families who don't spend much time around Christians. Or at, at work, you'll have a colleague who's difficult to talk with and even harder to work with. You know, they have zero self-awareness. They don't even see how they stress out the other members of the team. And then the Spirit of God leads you to a desert place and moves you right in next door to that, that colleague, office right next to them. And you see and you start to sense the Spirit is, is softening you towards this coworker, kind of against your will. And you're starting to see, though, that this desert place is the perfect place for some unplanned and unexpected ministry in this colleague's life. And you start looking for those opportunities. Or maybe it will look like this for you. I had, I had a, a dear friend uh, years ago who he, he would visit a local oncology center here in Austin. He'd go every single week. And he would meet the patients there, and, and he would get to know them. He would learn their names, and he would hear their stories. He got to know their, their family members, their closest friends. He's kind of the unofficial chaplain of the place. And you know how he got there? He wasn't part of an organization that cared for cancer patients. He was a patient. And all of those conversations, they, they took place while he was sitting in one of those chemo chairs next to a fellow patient for several hours a week. And he saw that this unplanned and unexpected desert road that he was on, that it was right where the, the Spirit had led him, and it was for a purpose. And I know that many of you have been through dreadful experiences like that where, where your desert road leads right through the deepest of valleys. And you've had a, a child battle addiction or a prodigal spouse, a severe illness of some kind, a broken relationship. And you see that, that this desert place that the Spirit has led, led you to, that this valley, that, that it, is, it is not without purpose. That even in the unplanned and the unexpected and, and even the unwanted, that there's something that the Spirit has for you there on that desert road that led into that valley. You see that, that he, is, he is moving you to a place where you have the ability and now even the credibility to begin to, to reach a group of people that you were barely even aware existed before you went through it yourself. You know what can flourish in desert places like this? Relational discipleship. You know, here at Grace, we say relational discipleship is the spirit plus truth plus relationship. Relational discipleship is the spirit of God using the word of God and the people of God, sometimes on unplanned, unexpected desert roads to bring others to Christ, to share Jesus with others, to help others become like Christ in all of life. And Philip was discovering this to be true. And then there's one other truth in Philip's story that we see about how the Spirit operates, what, what he does, how he goes before us and encourages us on those desert roads that, that he leads us to. And that second truth is this, that the Spirit has been wooing a person long before we show up. The Spirit has been wooing a person long before we show up. The Spirit has been drawing a person, he's been working on their heart before he ever introduces us to them. The Spirit of God is... is He's tilling the soil of a person's soul before we ever even meet them. He's been doing that far in advance. He's been doing that prep work. And, and that's, that's what Philip encounters. 
That Philip, when he gets to this unplanned and unexpected desert that the spirits led him to, he realizes God's been prepping this Ethiopian eunuch for a long time leading up to this conversation. Let's see it in verse 27. Luke says, on his way, Philip met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of the Kandake, which means queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship. You see, he wasn't on a diplomatic trip to Jerusalem. This man had gone there to worship. Hey, he, he was spiritually warm. I mean, maybe he was a convert to Judaism. At least he was a God-fearer, but he doesn't know Jesus yet. And so, so Philip sees how God has been wooing this eunuch to himself already. And then in verse 28, this is, this is what Luke writes. On his way home, the eunuch was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading, Philip asked. Well, how can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. And so he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. And this is the passage of scripture that the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? So this eunuch happens to be reading Isaiah chapter 53, the most explicit Old Testament prophecy about the sacrificial death of Jesus the Christ. And then he happens to be wondering at the very moment that Philip runs up to his chariot, he happens to be wondering, who's this, this author talking about? Is he referring to himself or someone else? And, and Philip sees this chariot door swing wide open, and he climbs up in. And verse 35 says, then Philip began with that very passage of Scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. And you see, Philip had to be absolutely sure the Spirit is wooing a person long before we get there. I mean, look, look at how much work God has done in advance before, before, you know, Philip even shows up in this eunuch's life. I mean, first he had to go to this desolate place that the Spirit told him to go to, right? And then he, he runs over to this man's chariot that, just as the Spirit had instructed him to do. And then he asks one almost kind of innocuous question, right? Do you understand what you're reading? That's all he had to ask. And he gets invited up into this chariot. The chariot door swings wide open. And Philip is invited up into this eunuch's chariot. And soon this Ethiopian eunuch, he has put his faith in Christ. And then as they travel along, he sees a stream of water. And he says, hey, look, here's water. What can stop me from being baptized? So Philip, he climbs out of, out of that chariot and he baptizes this man. And, and with each step into that stream of water, I'm sure Philip was just thinking, you know, Spirit, this is just how you work. You lead us to unplanned, unexpected places of ministry. And then when we get there, you, you've been doing your work for a long time. You've been wooing this person long before I showed up. Philip is seeing that, that reality in his life and in his ministry to this eunuch. You know, I think one of the reasons that we are intimidated by ministry is cold calls. But the point of the story is that there's no such thing as a cold call when it comes to ministry. There's no such thing as the cold call. I mean, think about how little Philip has to do. He just shows up and asks a question. That's all he's got to do. And, and God is saying to us, look, 
I've got this beach volleyball set on the tee for you. I mean, just swing away. You can't miss this. It's going to be that easy. I've done all the hard work. Just show up and ask a question. And, and so when you're out there coaching and, and running through drills with your team, remember that, that coaching is more than just coaching. Okay? And, and, and remember that the Spirit has, has brought you there. He's got this unplanned, unexpected place chosen just for you. And, and, and it's where ministry happens. And so you just think to yourself, you know, maybe I'll get a chance to pray with one of, one of these kids, and, and maybe I won't, but I'm just going to show up. I'm going to be ready, and, and I'm going to keep an eye out for, you know, one of those girls who's maybe having an off day or, or just doesn't quite seem herself, and I'm going to ask her how she's doing. Maybe I'll get a chance to pray with her or, even, even, or pray for her. And then next year I'm coming back. I'm going to coach again because who knows what the Lord has for me here. Right? You're looking at these places and saying, God, you can do something here. And, and that's all you need. I mean, I mean, you don't need to wait until you feel qualified to coach. You don't even need to wait until you feel qualified to minister. Or you're going to miss a lot of ministry moments. Right? I mean, think about Philip. He wasn't qualified to evangelize Samaritans. He wasn't qualified to evangelize CFOs from Ethiopia. I mean, his resume before this experience, it had two lines. Loves Jesus and waits tables. That's it. That's all he had going. And that was all he needed. The Spirit can work with that, right? The Spirit can work with that. Coaching is more than coaching. And work is more than just work too, right? It's an opportunity to minister. And so, you know, you're building trust with that difficult colleague and, and learning patience and then learning some more patience. And, and then one day, you know, maybe six months later, possibly six years later, he taps on your door and, and he walks in and says, look, my marriage is in shambles. And that chariot door swings wide open. And you say, you know, I know someone who could help with that. And you get to listen and, and you get to share Jesus with them. And, and who knows, maybe he and his wife join you at church. And you get to see the Spirit of God start to change these two lives around. Work is more than work. And the valley, even the valley is more than the valley. It's an opportunity to, to minister. And, and so what do you do? When your desert road leads right through one of those darkest of valleys, you look around for fellow travelers who are weary and frightened. And, you know, you ask them, would it be okay if I shared with you a few of the psalms that brought me peace and consolation when I was where you are? And with some, you know, that chariot door will swing wide open because they're looking for both of those. And, and you get to share those things with them. You get to open up about that. And... And so many of you who have walked through one of those desert roads that leads right into a valley, you know, I've, I've heard you say, yeah, I never wanted this. But now that I see what the Spirit had for me here, I'd never give it up. I'd never give it up. It was unplanned. It was unexpected. And now it's unbelievably fruitful. You see, the Spirit of God brings us to unplanned, unexpected desert roads. He does that. But then we find he's been wooing a person long before we ever meet him. In the Lord of the Rings trilogy, as Samwise Gamgee, as he sets out on that dangerous journey that takes him away from the safety of the Shire, he says this. He says, if I take one more step, it will be the farthest from home I've ever been. And you see, the Lord has planned good works for us in Christ before he ever even created us. And you know what? 
those good works in Christ might be a long way from your shire. The reality is some of those good works are probably going to, to cause you to have to leave the safety of the shire. And so when you find yourself in a desert place, when you find yourself in a place you didn't expect to be and you don't want to be, and you think to yourself, how did I get here? You know, what, what purpose could I possibly serve in a place like this? This is what you do. You lift your head and you open your ears. Because there's a good chance that soon you'll hear, hear the pounding of hooves in the distance and you'll see a chariot coming towards you. You see, Philip, he got to be a part of, of this, this whole experience. He got to be a part of it because he chose to follow the Spirit. When the Spirit told him to move, he started walking. And do you know what Philip got to be a part of because he chose to follow the Spirit to this desert road? Well, he gets to share Christ with this Ethiopian eunuch. And then one of the very early church leaders, Irenaeus, he writes that this Ethiopian eunuch went home and then shared Jesus with the Ethiopians, the first one to do so. He became a missionary to the Ethiopians. This eunuch plants the first church in the continent of Africa. And the gospel breaks out and breaks in to Ethiopia and the rest of Africa. That's the reality. Started in Jerusalem, moves to Judea, and then Samaria, and now it's spilling out to the ends of the earth, just as Jesus promised it would. And you can bet the gospel would have made it to Ethiopia and to Africa eventually. God would have made sure of that. But because this man, Philip, because he followed the Spirit, because when God said move, he started walking, he gets to be a part of God's story there. And God's doing the same with us. You know, he's inviting us to be a part of his story. And you know what? There's going to be some desert roads in our future if we're willing to follow him there, if we're willing to surrender to him. Don't you want to be a part of his story out there on those desert roads? Let's pray and let's ask the Spirit of God to give us the courage and the faith to walk along those roads with him. Heavenly Father, you have marked out in your word, you say you have marked out our appointed times in history and you have determined our boundaries all so that we would live at the best possible time and place that we might seek you and we might search for you and, and we might find you. And Lord, it's also true that you have put us at, at the time and place that give us the best possibility to be used by you to help others, to equip others to seek you and, and to search for you and to find you. And so Lord, would you enable us? Would you empower us to, to lift our heads and to open our ears that we might see and that we might hear the, the good works that you have set out in advance for us to do, the, the chariots that are coming our way, Lord, that, that we might get to tell someone else about you. We might get to pray for someone or minister to someone, Lord, who, who needs you, who's looking for you, who's searching for you. Use us to do that, please, Father. And we pray that you would do that, and uh, we pray that in your son's name. Amen.